Welcome back, listeners, to the Absolute Worldy Podcast, episode four. A new hope. Is, is it a new hope? Is there new hope in, in Group D? No. No, there's no hope at all in Group D. So, listeners, welcome to our Group D preview. Can we go back and redo episode one so I can say a fan, The Phantom Menace? I'd rather we didn't have to go back and redo any podcasts. I don't really like Star Wars as much as this would make me sound, but I do. I did listen uh, back to some of some rough cuts of episode one, and at one point, George Takei is mentioned, and I try and say... Uh, oh yes, Sulu from Star Trek, and it comes out as Solo from Star Wars, and you don't criticise me and for it. And then I said, in the last episode, about Anton Yelchin, and I said he was in Star Wars as well. Did I correct you? No, I corrected myself. Oh, right. So we clearly well, aren't big Star Trek fans, no. or big Star Wars fans, no, really. clearly not. Anyway, so this has been a lovely little dalliance at the start of the episode. Um, before we jump into it, shall I remind the readers, uh, the readers, the listeners, about our categories? Quickly. Putin Pravda points. Things that you may want to bring up with friends or family in the pub or around the dinner table about the teams in the World Cup. Russian Roulette. A player who may well sign for a major Premier League team after having a good World Cup. Hot to Trotsky. The fittest, the sexiest, the most attractive players at the World Cup. And finally, Moscow Mule. Players that we think may well have a narratively dreadful time in Russia. Assistencia de Xavi, Messi, 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 Fades away. I can't think which team in Group D we are, uh, uh, are going to start this uh, particular section with, Carl. I think uh, the keen-eared listener would have maybe picked out the repetition of one word in that... Uh, goal, 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 That's goal, right, goal. goal. And who gets a lot of goals? Messi, Messi, Messi. Messi, Caramessi, Caramessi, Caramessi. We're going to talk about Argentina. Yeah. Argentina are in the top-seeded part uh, position in this group. And they are known as La Selección or the Albicelestis. Albicelestis. Now, I learned something earlier from you about Celestis. What? Blue or sky? Sky blue. Sky blue. And I think that the Albi would refer to white, white and sky blue stripes. Ah, there you go. Although I don't think the word Alba means white. No, it doesn't. That would be black. Maybe it means stripes. Alba? I mean, we'll have to look it up later. Here's my Putin's Pravda point. Putin Pravda point about the Argentinians. Did you know Argentina nearly missed the cup for this World Cup? I, I did know that, but I'm guessing some people didn't. They had to win their last group game to scrape through qualification against Ecuador. Yes. After one minute of that game, they were 1-0 down. That's just insane, isn't it? Someone had to step up. I, I can't think which player within that Argentinian squad would take it all on his shoulders to step up. Well, there is a certain someone who comes to mind. And he scored not one, not two, but three goals to secure Argentina's qualification. Lionel Messi, of course. There's another one for you. Right, another Putin Pravda point. No nations have featured in more World Cup penalty shootouts than the Argies. Wow. Five. Argies? Are we going with Argies? Is that a thing that we're saying? 
Argentinian. It's something that you're going to put out into the world. I think that's just a shortened version of Argentinian. Yes, definitely is. I can't think of any other slurs based on shortening the words of. Uh... Argies, I guess, in my mind, comes from Argy Bargy, which probably comes from the Falklands War. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Argentinians, I'll call them from now on. Argentinians from now on, yeah. They've done five shootouts. Yes. In World Cup finals. That's pretty they good. They have a success rate of 80%. Bloody hell, they love penalties, don't they? Which is behind only two teams. Uh, in terms of percentage of success rate. That's right. 100% success rate for Germany. Well, of course. And England. What? I'm joking. They have got a 0% success rate. <laughs> England have played in three knockout penalty shootouts in World Cup finals. They have lost all three of there them. There you go. And that's not talking about the European Championship exits that have also happened no. due to penalty shootouts. Unbelievable. So, let's move on to Russian roulette. Mm. Nicholas Taliafico. Interesting shout. Great name as He's well. bound to be one of the only non-recognisable names in the lineup for Argentina. Yes. Last time that happened, in 2014, when they reached the final of the World Cup, they had Marcus Rojo and Sergio Romero in their lineup. And they both ended up at United, yeah, Manchester United, and really bedded into a prolonged period of mediocrity at the club. Yeah, Like Rojo, Taliafico is a left-back. He's 25, he plays for Ajax. Now, Ajax still retains a reputation for pedigree, so don't be surprised to see Nicholas make a big money move for no other reason than his national and club allegiances. Yes, indeed. I.e. by not performing particularly well at this World Cup. Hot to Trotsky? Hit me with it. I think this is going to surprise you. Federico Fazio. Uh, I'm not going to lie, it does surprise me. I know what he looks like. Well, I'm going to just remind you. I've picked out some pictures, but I think he looks fairly charming. What do you think? He, he does, uh, The beard helps, I think. The beard does help. He, now, he's uh, not uh, blessed with small ears, <laughs> but I, I just th- I've got a soft spot for him. He isn't blessed with small ears, it's true. He's, a, he's an ex-Tottenham player. He yes. has played in the Premier League before. Yes, he has. He now is at Roma and had a very good season. He's a big, friendly giant. Yeah. But he's already being touted as his nation's weakest link. Oh, dear. But he's not the one I'm going to propose for my Moscow Mule. But he's got big, kind eyes and a big, lolloping frame. Also, he has that delightful... uh, When he speaks English with his his Argentinian accent, it's very... It's sort of... You know, he'll say berry rather than very. Like, it's really nice listening to him. So I can't say RGs, but you can take the piss out of someone's accent. I wasn't taking the piss. That was me saying it was nice. (laughs) Fine. I like his hair. I like his beard. I don't think I could stay mad at him, even if he did cost me the World Cup. Yeah, I think I think he's he's lovable. Whether he's hot to Trotsky, I, I'm jury's out. He looks more like a tree surgeon than a footballer. I think Vlad would like him. Oh, he's, he's a bit got, soft he's, for Vlad. He has got soft eyes, doesn't he? Yeah. Moscow Mule. Moscow Mule me up. Willy Caballero. Absolutely perfect Willy shout. Caballero. Because Sergio Romero, of course, the number one choice for uh, Argentinian goalkeeper, is injured. Yep. He pulled out right at the last minute, which means that Caballero is going to stand in for him. If you can't get into a Premier League team, how are you going to be the number one choice for one of the favourites of the World Cup? Willy Caballero has been number two choice for two Premier League teams in the last three years. He was uh, second choice for Manchester City and he is currently second choice for Chelsea. However, this could be his saving grace. He is an excellent penalty shootout goalkeeper. Well, as we've just found out, Argentina uh, pretty damn good at penalty shootouts. He single-handedly, I mean, he has two hands. Is that still single-handedly? <laughs> He's dual-handedly. He personally <laughs> won the 
League Cup for Man City. Yes. And he yeah. was in tears afterwards because he felt like it was the only thing that allowed him to feel like he'd been a success at the club. And it, basically, he saved three penalties for them to win the League Cup um, under Pellegrini. Mm, new, new West Ham coach. Yeah. Um, this is getting a bit too football now. I, I just think... Okay, you're going to recognise Caballero straight away for those who don't know him. He has got not a hair on his head. Not a hair on his head. Uh, he's, he's also not 36 in a sort of years alopecia old. alopecia way. He has got eyebrows. He might have alopecia. I know he has eyebrows. <laughs> he does shave his head like Bic razored. Yeah. Good, you know, tanned head. You're, gonna look, you're not like going to miss I it. I like a bald goalkeeper. Yeah. I think it puts people off. He looks focused. But one of his, you know, conversely, one of his not defining features is his lack of focus. Yes. During a game, expect him to be flapping at crosses, mm, yeah. expect him to be charging for one-on-ones. I think he could cost Argentina points in the group, but I think he could also save them in a shootout. Kickball with football, yeah. It's Iceland. Exciting. Everyone's favourite. I mean, I, this is the point with the Putin. I mean, what are you going to save for Putin's Pravda points? That is. Oh, I've got stuff. But I mean, already people want Iceland to win, right? Do English people want them to win? Uh, even more so after what happened with England uh, in the European Championships. I'm, to be honest, I grew tired of the Viking thunderclap, which I, we're going to come on to. Okay, you, you you take it away with your points. Iceland's nickname is, and apologies for the accent. Here we go. Strakanirokar. Right, what does that mean? Which means our boys. Vikings. I thought they were the Vikings. I really thought they were the Vikings. But maybe that's not them. They do the Viking thunderclap. But I just... Maybe, maybe it's lazy journalism. Like, I swear all the papers called them the Vikings. I think that is just lazy Britishness. Yeah. Classic. Um, Our boys. That's, that's, that's lovely. Well, there's... You know, they because are if you're boys. talking about population... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me... Don't get ahead of me with my, with my oh, Pravda point. Oh, is that a Pravda point coming? This is a classic Pravda point. You probably would have been using this one already if you're used to throwing facts out to disguise your disdain for football yes. in the last European Championships. In 2016, Iceland qualified for their first ever international... Well, this is still an international tournament, European Championships, and they were the standout fan favourite. Absolutely. Everyone, football fans, non-football fans, everyone followed Iceland. They got out of the groups. They beat England in knockout stages. They pushed France very hard. They, and they did this thing called the Viking Thunderclap to celebrate where their captain, Arno Gunnarsson, would stand and kind of, it looks almost like a seal throwing mm. his hands in the air and slow clapping and then speeding up and the, all the fans would do it. They love it. When they got back to Iceland in Reykjavik, they oh, had thousands of people doing it. footage at the airport. That's worth, go- that's worth a Google. So your Pravda point for Putin is this. The population of Iceland, if you didn't already know, which I'm sure many people do, is 330,000 people, which is less than Croydon. Wow, you went with Croydon. I went with Croydon. Of all the places you could have chosen. Well, because I thought... To illustrate a point, your main source material for this illustration. I'll tell you why. I picked Croydon for a reason, Joel, because I thought if people born in Croydon could get a team together... Would they Could be, they get to the World Cup? Would they beat Iceland? A Croydon 11. And I've actually compiled them. <laughs> of course you have! I've not got, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie to you, I've not got as many as 11. But in goal, <laughs> yeah. Jamal Blackman. Great shout! Been on loan at Sheffield United, a solid championship level goalkeeper. Excellent. Uh, manager, I think you know this one, Man- current manager Crystal Palace. Croydon-born... Croydon-born boy. Roy Hodgson. Roy Hodgson. And we know he has an affinity with Iceland. Half Croydon, half out. Right. Um, in midfield, 
Jason Punchin, Nigel Riococa. Punchin above their weight. Already. I mean, some of these players are retired, but you'll have to forgive me. Um, up front, Colton Cole and Ian Wright. I mean, this is this is turning into quite the team. And honestly, these two, I think, could actually push teams at the level of Iceland, even maybe the level of Argentina with their defence. On the left wing, Wilfred Zahar. Great. Wasn't born in Croydon. No, I was going to say, quite but famously not born in this country. moved there at the age of four. Okay, so he's, he's a, he, in, in the way that Nadia Nadim for Denmark was a naturalised oh, yeah. naturalized Danish player, Wilfred Zahar could be a naturalised Croydon player. He is a Thornton Heath legend. He is a Thornton Heath uh, legend. And on the other wing, Victor Moses. Uh, I mean, famously plays for Nigeria, but sure. Born in Nigeria, parents were murdered at age 10. I didn't know that. He moved to, to Croydon where he uh, went to the Whitgift uh, school, mm. which uh, had a massive sports academy, I think, attached to it. Uh, so from 11 years onwards, he was a Croydon boy. Wow. A Croydon, F- Croydon FC. Yeah. Croydon That's national got nothing team. to do with Iceland. But I just wanted to show I... you how difficult it is to put together an international football team from, from a small population. 330,000 people. It's um, the smallest population of any nation that's ever made the World Cup. They are, they are, it is extraordinary, actually, that, that they have that few players. And I, I, I take back any Croydon scepticism. The sceptre from Croydon, if he is that No, I'll tell you who is, though. Who? Stormzy. Storm! And, you know, the, uh, the not-so-efficient, um, well, effective, let's say professional uh, journalists... Uh, of the newspaper press obviously there's that famous moment last year when Lukaku signed yes uh, where lots of pictures were just posted of Stormzy, oh, Stormzy wearing yeah. Manchester United training gear because he was in that video we mentioned with Pogba ah nice linking lazy all, linking all these groups back together now I have one more pubs, uh, one more Pravda point for you Pravda point there is a instance in international football the only instance in international football where a father and son briefly uh, grace the same turf right and it's strenuous Arna Gudjonsson and his son are the probably more famous Ida Gudjonsson although Arna also won a couple of uh, European Cups right uh, Ida is the son of Arna and in 1996 in a friendly against Estonia Iceland substituted the father Arna for his son Ida wow so as they crossed they were both on the pitch at the same time. Well, that is tenuous. That's not never happened in, on international level before. That's amazing. Yeah, that's a great. I mean, and Vlad loves a bit of keeping it in the family, as we uh, learnt way back in Group A. So that's a great Putin Pravda point. What do you mean keeping it in the family? Oh, he likes family values, whatever the hell. Oh that yeah, he yeah. does like family values. Yeah. Um, there are lots of maybe we'll come on to these later. There's a whole score of World Cup playing fathers and sons. And even one instance of a World Cup playing grandfather, father and son. Wow. But hopefully we'll come on to that. Great. Russian roulette. Hit me with an unexpected Icelandic signing. Do you know Alfred Finn Boggerson? I do not know you Alfred not Finn Boggerson, no. Alfred Finn Boggerson has played in Sweden. He's played in Belgium. He's played in Holland. He's played in Germany. He's played in Greece and he's played in Spain. Surely a few goals in Russia could thrust him into the Premier League contention. Surely. But be wary. Oh. What am I being wary of Alfred's, when it comes to Finn Boggerson? Alfred's goal average over the last four seasons is just over six goals a season. <laughs> is he a striker? He's a striker. Why? Kind of, I mean, this is a genuine question, and it is maybe um, for another podcast. But why are there so many strikers who don't score goals? I think the the, the Emil, Emil Heskies of this world. Emil Heskies still got over a hundred Premier League goals, I believe. I don't think he can do. Can he? 
well, not now, he's retired. But <laughs> I think, if you think of someone like Andy Carroll, yes. he's got a huge reputation in relation to his actual goal-scoring record. Yes. Because he's injured. Yes, true. But he seems to score goals that gets him contracts. Right. But he doesn't get many. Right, so what's this? Your, what's your point here? I'm saying Andy Carroll probably has only got six goals on average a season for the past four seasons. Oh, I see your point. But he's still probably worth about 15 to 20 million So has Finn Bogerson been injured, or is he just, just not good at scoring goals? I think that his constant uh, nomadism yes. uh, probably affects his ability to blend into teams. I mean, he sounds like nailed on for a team at the top of the championship who are playing for the playoffs. Yep, Derby County, someone like that. Yep, Reading. Well... Funny you should talk about Reading. I'm going to come back to a Reading player who plays for Iceland in just a minute. Okay. But let's move on, first of all, to Hot to Trotsky. Ooh, Icelandic, cold to Khrushchev. Let's go. Was that a Cold War reference? It was a sort of, it's cold in Iceland, so how can it be Hot to Trotsky plus Khrushchev, who is a Russian ex-Soviet? Let's keep going. So, <laughs> I, obviously when you think of Iceland... You and you know that the pop uh, we had all this two years ago. There was a lot of trivia about Iceland. Yeah. Like one of my favourite things about Iceland, which I, is a trivia that I've probably bastardised, is that they have a special um, social media app in Iceland that allows you on the dating scene to ensure that the person you're dating is a certain um, a certain kind of cousins removed from yes. you. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. when you only have that amount of people on an island, inbreeding is it's not just. It's an, it's an impossibility. Yeah. So there's a, like a, a kind of like, I think it's a genetic preference or maybe it's just, I don't know, like a kind of social rule. Yeah. That it's something like seven places removed and that's okay. Yep. So I think that there's a, they, they, there's a tendency to assume that all Icelandic people look similar. Sure. Um, which is probably based on genetics. But there are lots of interesting Icelandics in this squad, interesting looking. Trot them out um, for me. There's a player called um, Holder... Björgen Magnusson, nice. Who plays for Bristol City? He's a, yeah, right. a centre back or a left back. I think he's been playing. League of Bristol City. In. They're in the Championship. Oh wow! He um, they were pushing on for playoffs. He is huge and skinny. Uh, huge. Well, and I skinny. say skinny. He's just a, a kind of slim built centre back. He's about six foot four. Right. And he is the whitest man you've ever seen. Great. He's got white hair, blue eyes, uh, and he's pretty fairly impressive looking. Um, the classic Icelandic hot to trot was last uh, championships and European championships. A player called Bikir Bjarnason, mm. who now plays for Aston Villa, uh, famously picked up a modelling contract after the uh, tournament. Wow, that is fantastic. And he is a gorgeous man. He looks like some, uh, an extra from Lord of the Rings. He's got oh, blimey, incredible right. cheekbones, blonde, uh, like as you can very tell, long Carlos, blonde Carlos just brought up an image of this man, and he is. I mean, I mean, he doesn't look like a footballer, does he? One of the pictures is of him signing a contract, and I, from the look of what he's wearing, it definitely is his modelling contract and not a, a yeah, uh, Aston Villa contract. He's not signing with Aston Villa. There. But this year's Hot to Trotsky, this tournament, is going to be this man here. That's not a footballer. His name is Rurik Glislason, or Geislason, and he, he looks like... I mean, talk about baby blues. He looks like a Hollywood actor. I, I I mean I've said it a lot in in these uh, in this series, but seriously, get on the Googles, guys. Rurik Geislason. Should we be plugging Google so relentlessly? There are other search engines. Get on the Bing. Whoever wants to sponsor us, Just, get, get yeah, on. Yeah, get on. Someone will. Yeah, a search bar that doesn't steal all your data and sell it to Vladimir Putin. Oh wait. Shh, shh, shh. Ask Jeeves. Ask Jeeves. 
Um, he looks a bit like Army Hammer, I think, from that. Um, <laughs> he does look like Army Hammer. That Oscar-nominated film, Call Me by My, Call Me by Your Name. Yeah, God, he does. He's a, he's. I think he's probably the most. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say the most attractive man we've seen so far. He's very Aryan. I like to mix up my fancies, to be honest. Okay, oh. my final one, Moscow Mule, uh, John Daddy Bodverson. John Daddy. Daddy. D A D I. Right. He plays for Reading. He's a, just like uh, Magnuson, he's a very tall, very slim number nine, Crouch-esque. Right. Uh, he moved... I think Crouch-esque as a, as a describing word definitely extends beyond football. For those who don't know Peter Crouch, he's the thinnest, tallest striker England's no, ever I had. think people, everyone knows who Peter Crouch is. Because of the robot. Yeah. Because, it, you know, when you look a certain way and you dance a certain way, you get, a, you get notoriety. I love him. I, who doesn't love Peter? I genuinely challenge anyone not to at least like Peter Crouch. You know that you've. I think you must know this. The, my favourite uh, Peter Crouch. What would you be if you weren't a footballer? Question. A virgin. Yeah. It's a great honest, answer. honest and fantastic. Uh, anyway, so John Daddy Bodvarsson. Bodvarsson is a uh, he Crouch-esque. moved off the back of again. We've mentioned it a lot. Iceland's huge success in the last Euros. He moved to Wolverhampton Wanderers. Right now in the Premier League. Yeah, and apart from endearing the Wolves fans to him by bringing the Viking Thunderclap to Molyneux, ah, he didn't achieve much else. <laughs> they dumped him and then they got he promoted brought, to the, the championship. He brought the clap to Molyneux. Hey, Joel, he brought the clap to... Well, not that sort of clap. <laughs> I wonder if they have STDs in Iceland. Specifically cousin-related ones. I guess, I just, I don't know, I tend to have a tendency to believe they're really just a pure bunch of people, but that's just eugenics. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> so... Yes, he they they then dumped him when they and consequently got promoted, showing how much they needed him. Yeah, uh, and Reading took him on, and they nearly got relegated this season. So the, this is a sort of form that he's on. He's got ten goals from seventy games in England. Jesus, uh, I wouldn't be backing him in the World Cup to bury any crucial one on ones. No, right. So a classic, a classic Icelandic mule there uh, to finish off Iceland in Group D. halfway through group d mm, yes we are and we're nearly halfway through the groups i know god so to finish off finish off group d should i stop with croatia yeah so croatia the fiery ones wow i mean it it, it works they're they, they they're a firebrand of a team they're always sparky they're a really exciting team like you know they're always somebody's outside bet right sort of like spain they were the furioso Rioja. yeah gosh but they were fiery reds. Yeah. Um, so or furious reds even. So the fiery ones. Um, now, I'm I'm gonna delve a little bit here with my with my uh, Pravda points, Carl. Please do delve away. I'm gonna delve into the nineties. A turbulent time for Croatia. A turbulent time for Croatia, exactly. And my entire Putin Pravda point relates to that turbulence. I want to talk specifically about one of my favourite players, football players, as a kid. A guy named Zvonimar Boban. Not only is it one of the best names ever, Zvonimar is a fantastic first name, and Boban for a footballer is, is my ideal European-sounding name for a footballer. I was introduced to Championship Manager when I was about nine years old. I wasn't allowed to play it. My friend's older brother had it, and he would do that thing that older brothers would do. They'd be like, kind of look at this. No, you can't have a go. 
What do you think of his team? And I didn't know any of them. But his captain? Zvonimar Boban. Boban. Of course. So, I think footballers are credited with a lot of things. But Zvonimar Boban, Carl, is credited with basically starting a war. He didn't. He is... It is... It is a... I'm going to call it a factoid rather than a fact. But people claim that Zvonimar Boban was integral in the beginning of the uh, Croatian War of Independence. Well, do you know who would be interested in, in the uh, ins and outs of how wars get started? Putin. Uh, so. <laughs> it's not funny. No, it's not. It's horrible. So, and in fact, this story is not great. So, the former Yugoslavia, as we know, was a nation of several groups of geographically proximate people, including Croats, Serbs, Slovenes and Montenegrins. This mix of nationalities and identities were more or less kept together when the unifying, unifying rule of Marshal Tito was still going on. Now, Tito, not a very nice man, but he did keep everything ticking over. During the 80s... Tiki-taka. Tiki-taka, if you will. The tiki-taka of Croatia. We shouldn't give him that credit. <laughs> no, really shouldn't. During the 80s, Yugoslavia was at a crossroads following Tito's death, and football became a prominent means of expressing nationalism specifically for Croatians. Many fans in the stadiums uh, would sing, and they would vent their political and social frustrations. They would have banners. And this is what was happening on May 19th in 1990, when Red Star faced Dynamo in a match which was actually abandoned after just 10 minutes due to the escalating scenes of violence violence on the terrace. So all hell breaks loose during a pitch invasion. And so this is where you've got to remember, we're not taking sides in this. I'm telling this story just as it happened. Boban is considered a hero for this. That's all I'm going to say. I love how you're pretending that I was sitting there, I wasn't (laughs) taking sides... I was four years old. I loved Boban, and he's considered a hero for this action. Whether if you are a, uh, if you are a Serbian or a, a, a Slovenian or a Montenegrin, you may feel differently. So, all hell breaks loose. Pitch invasion. Picture this, if you will. Zvonimar Boban sees a policeman preventing Croatian hooligans from attacking the Red Star end. Meanwhile, Red Star are attacking Croatia uh, fans elsewhere. Overcome with a nationalist pride and virtuous anger, Boban sprints towards the police officer, jumps into the air, and lands a right knee in the face of his opponent. He's not his opponent. He's his opponent in this context. He's not his opponent. He is his opponent. He's not a football player. He's a policeman. He knees the policeman in the face. It's hard to know what side of this I want to be on. I, I don't know. I, the, I don't know the, the the context. No, no. I mean, I'm not I'm not giving you much, but I'm telling you the facts. So <laughs> it's a Putin Pravda uh, uh, point. I'm sure Putin remembers this. Yeah, of course. So the fighting goes on for more than an hour. The stadium was eventually set on fire. Uh, in a scene that shook the world. One of the haunting soundtracks of the day, I I have listened to this, but you can't really make it out, is apparently Boban shouting, where is the police? Where is the bloody police? I'll tell you where they are. You just kicked him in the head. Well, a different police, I think that's the point. He was referring, of course, to the lack of police action as the afternoon progressively blackened what could have been a great match of football. So uh, this is. It an... seems like you gave up on that football match after ten minutes. Yes. Zonomir. So here's here's another Zvonimir quote: uh, "The hooligans from Belgrade were ruining our stadium. The police at the time, who were absolutely a regime police, did not respond at all." Ah. So Boban, after this, becomes a, a national hero and like a mythical, romantic figure in the pantheon of football greats. He commands respect 
as the captain of Dinamo Zagreb because he was fighting for the Croatian cause. He also goes to uh, 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 European and World Championships with Croatia. Um, but the, the crazy thing is that following that dark day inside the, the Maximir Stadium when the police did nothing other than get kneed in the face by Boban, um, many of the people in that stadium were involved in the actual battles in the Croatian War of Independence. And therefore, people credit Boban's actions of kneeing that policeman in the face with sparking off a war of independence. And if you were going to support any team at Russia based on nationalistic pride and violence, I would say that uh, uh, Croatia have got to be a choice. And again, this is a risky comment. But going alongside that, it is quite interesting that Ukraine did not qualify for this tournament. Yes, it is quite interesting that Ukraine did not qualify for this tournament. It would have made for a very interesting viewing, Ukraine versus Russia. I don't think they could have allowed it. It would have been very difficult. Yeah. I mean, certainly. I mean, look, at the end of the day, FIFA don't interfere in, in, in these things. They just seem to let them happen. Uh, there were, you know, there's been games with Iraq and Iran and Iran and Saudi Arabia that FIFA have just allowed to happen. So who knows? But fascinating about Croatia. So just to get my timeline straight, that predated... The any, existence any, of Croatia. Yeah. Croatia didn't exist. When, when Boban need that policeman in the face, Croatia didn't exist. And but a few years later, they did. And therefore, he is a national hero in Croatia. I'm just presenting the facts. I'm not agreeing or disagreeing either but way. But again, amazing to see. And this is like I th- this is what I think people that don't want to delve into the context, political, social, cultural context of football, they don't want to see or they don't want to acknowledge yeah. is that, to and it has to be said, mainly to men, mm. um, football can shape political ideology. Completely. It can shape... Uh, an understanding of one's place within a social or political system. Yeah. Um, and actually, it's only in this Good country, and bad. But it's actually only in this country where we associate that with being mainly right wing, sort of hooligan style politics. Yes. Outside of this country in Europe, there's a lot of uh, much more progressive and much more interesting ideals espoused on the terraces, but they are espoused in a particularly. A particular style of masculinity, which ca- could be considered toxic. We've got to admit that. Uh, I mean, we're I talking mean, about a man kneeing another man in the face. Yeah, I mean, at least exclusive to people that aren't either men or, let's be honest, white, especially in a European yeah. context. Um, I mean, that goes on even today if you look at the behaviour of fans all over Europe. True. All over England. True. So I'm going to segue neatly uh, using the words... Uh, white, <laughs> <laughs> because there are there that are, was so neat. There are there aren't many non-white Croatian players, that's for sure. Let me let me tell you about my hot to Trotsky, Kyle. Please do. Uh, Tin, and that is his first name, not Tim. Tin, Tin, Jedvaj or Jedvaj or Jedvaj. Uh, I <laughs> looks a, a lot like he could have been in Hanson. He looks a lot like he could have been in Hanson, certainly. He looks a lot like he could still be in school. Yes, <laughs> he's very young. He looks like, for those who haven't seen him yet, and of course you're all jumping to your computer search engines to, to look see, up Tin Jedvaj. He looks like the sort of boy that would, I mean, I'm going to stereotype, sue me, working backstage in your school musical. <laughs> On yeah. sound or on lights. He does. But He's got wonderful kind of like a wavy bowl cut. It's like a, 60s, it's like a 60s pop star, that hair. It's yeah, fantastic. it's very old school hair. It's beautiful. I mean, I genuinely... I, 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 it's BGS hair. It's the most hair we've seen other than uh, 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 um, um, Martin Caceres, certainly. Yeah. Um, so that's my uh, uh, my Hot to Trotsky. He's I feel fine. like your translation of Hot to Trotsky is 
young boys who are coming of age at this tournament. You keep saying that, but Tin Jedvaj is not that young. Tin Jedvaj. I'm, I'm, prob- I'm, I'm guessing it's pronounced Jedvai. He was born in 95. He's 22. All right, yeah, that is quite young. Yeah, fair point, fair point, fair point. I take your point. I mean, you'll see, listeners. You can see it to look at. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm all for him. He looks like a nice lad. He, I'm sure he's very lovely. I'm sure he's very lovely indeed. So, uh, let us uh, let me finish up with Croatia by talking about my Russian roulette and Moscow, Moscow mules. Yeah, please do. Will. So, Russian roulette, Marcello Brozovic. Inter Milan. Inter Milan. Box-to-box player, up and down the pitch. Doesn't start every game at Inter, so this is his opportunity. They have been using him in a kind of midfield three, but uh, recently have dropped him, for obvious reasons that I'll come to with my Moscow mule in a second. Oh. Um, so... Uh, if he does get on the pitch, I could see an upper mid-table team in the Premier League, Burnley, for example. Yeah. Really using him. He's got boundless energy. He keeps running. Uh, he's sort of creative, sort of defensive, has that real sort of dynamism that Sean Dyche would like. A backup Jack Cork. Perfect. Exactly. Uh, so, yes, having mentioned that he doesn't often get into that midfield, let's talk about my, my Moscow mule. I'm going for a pairing here, and it's Luka Modric and Ivan Rakitic. Wow. So skillful, so exciting, good on the ball, and you just know that they have the ability between them to flop completely. They are probably the most talented players to ever come out of Croatia. Yes, and and, and the fact is they play in the same team, and you can just see, uh, I don't know, Croatia are losing 1-0 to Nigeria in the 90th minute, and between the two of them, they're knocking it back and forth in exciting flair style, and nothing happens. Might you say that they could be... Croatia's Lampard and Gerard. They are slightly Croatia's Lampard and Gerard, and uh, Croatia have yet to answer the question of whether they can play on the same team. This is their last chance, I think, to make it an international level in a in a team that is never fancied to make it beyond the last sixteen. <laughs> So, should we talk about the last team in Group D? Yes. It's the Super Eagles. Oh, everyone's favourite. Nigeria. I, I mean, literally, I think they probably are the most, the second most supported team in the UK at the moment. I know you're going to talk about it because obviously it's going to come up. It's the first thing that I'm going to talk about. But one of the reasons that everyone loves them, one of the main reasons, which I think is so short-sighted, is that they have a garish, bold kit design. That, I mean, that is my entire Putin's Pravda point. Well, tell me. So, do you know how many people pre-ordered the replica shirts. I heard it was over two and a half million. It's three million people. Three million. Three million people pre-ordered the Nigerian Football Federation replica shirt. Shoppers queued outside Nike's flagship store on in London on last Friday. Again, letting, letting people know when we're recording this. Nike Town. Nike Town, yep. Yeah. Uh, the Home and Away shirts, which are priced at £64.95, yeah. were sold out on the Nike website within minutes. Yeah. People have gone mad for the Nigerian football strip. But it makes me think how many people live in Nigeria. Look, there's, there's a lot of people. It's a big country. Yes. And the diaspora is huge. Have you seen pictures of Wilfred Ndidi, Leicester's Wilfred Ndidi, wearing a branded bucket hat and jacket uh, in the same pattern? No. Would you like to? I would love to. Uh, I'm guessing he's not your hot to trot. He's not. So actually, I'm going to have to Google this. So you're going to Stop hear saying Google. I'm, you're going to have to search for this. So uh, uh, give, bear with listeners as you listen to the lovely... I can literally hear what the ones you're typing. Yep. <laughs> Joel has written in Wilfred and Dee bucket hat. You're right. And he's not found an image. Yes, I have. There you go. Oh, why? Okay, so to explain to what you... The, the sleeves of the Nigeria shirt are what I would call 
uh, a Chevron Action Flash, in yeah. the words of Alan Partridge, uh, black on white, <laughs> black on white Chevron Action Flash, yeah. uh, and the uh, the shirt is a green base Action Flash yes. with white flashes. The sleeves have been translated into a uh, a jacket and quite honestly, yes, a bucket hat. Uh, looks... You know that? What's that group in the the late nineties? No, let go. Oh, gonna the be brand new, new heavies. No, no um, but anyway, that's the hat. New radicals. New radicals. That's the hat he's wearing. Yeah, it's a new they're... radical hat in the Nigerian teams national. Colors. We all had one in our teams. I mean, who didn't? And uh, I wish I did now. So people have gone mad for this uh, kit, and I, th- I think. One of my favourite things is the Nike <laughs> description of it as a subtle homage to Nigeria's 94 shirt with its eagle wing inspired black and white sleeve and green torso. Where, and please again, look this up, where in this shirt are they seeing eagle wing inspired? I think that what we're supposed to see in the action flash is uh, ruffled feathers. But it's, I mean, £65. That's standard price for a football shirt. I mean, that's, but uh, for three million of them to sell out. But this is not a football shirt, Joel. This is a movement. It is. Like, people, I'm I'm sure, I'm sure many non-Nigerians will buy this shirt as a fashion statement. Absolutely. And and, uh, as I've I've put it out here, it's a Putin Pravda point. Support Nigeria, but good luck trying to get one of these shirts because they are gone. They are gone. But I think that's exactly what, all this press is exactly what Nike wants. Yeah, Of absolutely. course they're not gone. Of course they can produce another three million in two absolutely. days. Although, as we as we know, football shirts are not easy that easy to produce, as Coventry City found to their cost when they got to the playoff final at Wembley and had run out of kits. Yeah, again, of course that wasn't uh, a ploy to get more, <laughs> set more sales. Buy this Wembley special shirt. We, <laughs> crazy so that's my putin Pravda point for nigeria entirely based on a popular kit um hot to trotsky uh i see until you showed me i i'm afraid i've already forgotten his name the icelandic chap um yes i was uh uh certain that i'd got the best one here william troost ikong i saw him play against england did he play well he didn't play badly right so he didn't play well he I, didn't, mean, I mean, they didn't. None of them played well in the he, first half. It doesn't matter whether he's got really sharp, excellent edges, or whether he's got a uh, a lovely little Mohican on top of his head. There, he is a stunner of a man. And there's a great Instagram photo of him and his girlfriend, just absolutely delighted with himself, loving life, listening to his headphones. There, he's he's <laughs> the picture of him and his partner is a classic selfie where the partner is taking it and he's standing behind her. Uh, and he's got one ear in his headphones. And his shirt off. So I think yeah, he's on holiday, clearly. Yeah. But he's a very handsome man. He is a handsome man. He's an undeniably, undeniably handsome man. So I think you're going to enjoy both of these. My last two uh, sections and the first uh, to end this uh, fourth group. Uh, my Russian roulette. Odion Agalo. Mm, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So Odion Agalo had a great half a season at Watford. He scored... Well, maybe an entire season, really. No, the first half of the season, he was yeah. on fire. He scored bucket loads of goals, amazing partnership with Troy Deeney, fabulous player. A year and a half later, he's in China. On I a mean, big contract. Huge money. Huge money. But at the end of the day, he's apparently wanting to get back to... Now, I'm not going to disparage the level of football in China, but there's probably a reason he went there, and it may well be that big contract. I mean, Odin Agalo is a, a player that came to Watford in a time 
if you're not familiar with Watford's transfer policy, it's basically buy everyone, see who works, and sell them for big money. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, and it and it paid. Obviously, they were going to sell him when someone came in offering them huge money for so him. So imagine if he if he knocks in a few goals in the group. Imagine if Nigeria beat Argentina, if you will, and it's in Galo in the last minute. Mm-hmm. I mean, what Premier League team isn't going to try and entice him back from China? The level of football in China is not high. We can agree on that. And he has made a lot of money very quickly. Why wouldn't he want to come back to the Premier League? And I genuinely think he could be worth a punt. High impact sub. Yeah, for a lot of mid-table teams. Yeah. Uh, and then my Moscow Mule doesn't really need much uh, explanation, really. Alex Iwobi. He's just not very good. Wow. He just isn't. I think that's contentious. I'm interested to see what happens to him under uh, Emery. Sure. But that is, he's not going to get to join up with Emery until after the World Cup. And I just, genuinely, I've never seen him play well. I've not seen him play well in the Premier League. I've not seen him play well for Nigeria. He is their go-to player, him and Victor Moses. They're the two players that they rely on for their creative energy, for that kind of classically Nigerian physical speed and he's just not good enough. Ironically, I think he might be a Nigerian Aaron Ramsey. And if they both play for your club team, then maybe that says something. It does indeed. Everyone's talking about the So that wraps up Group D. And what I'm really thinking at this halfway point of our group analysis is that William Carvalho and Alex Iwobi are not going to be happy with their appraisals. No, but you know who is, will have enjoyed it so far? Who? Putin. <laughs> Vlad. Vlad, glad you're listening still. We, this is all for you. Thank yep. you for listening in. Thanks a lot, Vlad. Cheers, Vlad. Um, we will bring you more uh, next time. The Absolute Worldy Podcast is produced by Joel Samuels and Kyle Ross. Our theme tune is courtesy of Adam Janotovazowski. All other music is non-copyright and licensed under Creative Commons. Thank you again for listening, and do stay tuned for a small taste of what's to come in our next episode. Should these games be replayed? Is there is there scope for injuries such as this to change the course of football history? Short answer? No. no. <laughs>